listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Brexit. What a pass to Anders. A king follow. Toy branch fires. He converts. Rhymes again. Oh, shot. And you're listening to Pod Slamma Jamma presented by Clutch City Control Room. My name is Andy Anas, and you can find me on Twitter at AYANAS underscore five. And be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Today, in the podcast on Wednesday, we are recording this uh, the return of a special guest, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining on such short notice. Uh, Chris, this is actually a, quite an accomplishment. You joined us for like our second episode ever on Pod Slime and Jamla, and here we are over two months, I guess almost three months, and uh, we're getting closer to the basketball season now, and we actually have stuff to cover. I know I've been uh, busy covering football for the University of Houston at the Daily Cougar, and you've, you finished covering the, the Rockets' playoff push, and now we're getting into all the – you know, the rumors and innuendo of what's going to happen with college basketball in less than a month now. Yep. Uh, you know, you've been working with the Cougar covering football. I've been not working as hard because of the NBA season ending, you know, a few weeks ago and college basketball practice beginning on the 14th of this month. And hasn't been a lot to talk about, but that sure did change in the last few days. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. And, uh, Obviously, of course, um, the biggest news um, over the last couple of days has been uh, the cancellation of the multi-team events by ESPN, where they were supposed to host a couple of tournaments, including one that would include the University of Houston, where they were scheduled to play Texas Tech, and then would either play Auburn and Gonzaga, depending on the the outcome of those games. Um, And since then, it's been reported that Gonzaga and Auburn are kind of looking to to coordinate their own little uh, event. And the same thing with the University of Houston and Texas Tech. Uh, today on Wednesday, news broke. I, I believe it was Andy Katz who reported it first, who said he talked to the Texas Tech head coach, uh, Chris Beard, and he told them that they were finalizing a game with with the University of Houston and Texas Tech and that would be in Fort, Fort Worth. I always, get, I always have trouble saying that word. And then uh, Mark Berman from Fox, uh, Fox Houston said that um, – Kevin Sampson confirmed to him that they, they are planning something with Texas Tech. He didn't confirm if they were able to get a game or anything, but it looks like they're, they're planning something. And, you know, really I want to hear from you um, what you're hearing and do you, could this be more teams than just Texas Tech and the University of Houston? Um, as on Monday, I was told and asked to keep it hush-hush and not publicize it, but I was told Monday that Fort Worth was being discussed for the uh, site location and having Houston and Texas Tech be a part of that. I think, you know, I think Berman via Coach Sampson, of course, Sampson via Berman, um, echoed or that sentiment and that Coach Sampson and I think Chris, Bur- Chris Beard as well are going to try to get more teams involved to have it somewhat of a showcase, classic kind of deal and have just more than the two of them participating in Fort Worth. You know, you and I were on the um, media call with Coach Sampson 
two weeks ago, actually, when at that time, Coach was talking about the Orlando and the benefits of the Orlando event. So his mindset then was quality opponents, Q1 opponents would help the uh, Cougs non-conference in the net rating. So I don't believe that sentiment is, has changed at all. So knowing Coach Sampson, he's got so many contacts throughout basketball. He's going to try to make it work to get more teams and more quality opponents in, assuming it's Fort Worth, in that event to help out the Cougs and Texas Tech and the other teams participating for their net, rank, net rankings uh, for non-conference strength, strength of schedule. Uh, would, do you see those other teams that they are able to get more schools in? Would they be like other Texas schools or could it be other schools from around the nation? That I have, I have not heard, was not told that. And Andy, right now with, with COVID stuff going all around the country, I'm not sure where the teams will come from. I think one of the considerations and the factors will be if those other teams can afford the testing protocol, you know, and agree to the same pr- pr- protocol testing that um, U of H and Texas Tech will do, whether it's two tests a week, three tests per week, et cetera, things like that. Who's going to pay for it? I, I'm going to lean toward because of what Coach Sampson said in hopes of having a strong non-conference schedule that he's going to try to get top 25 programs. And I'm not sure how many other top 25 programs are in the state of Texas. I know the Longhorns are, I think, kind of expected to be preseason top 25. Baylor is definitely top five. So I doubt because those uh, two teams, Baylor and Longhorns, are also in the Big 12, along with Texas Tech. So I don't see that happening because I don't think you want to have the same conference members playing each other so early. So that kind of lets those two out. So we'll see how it all plays out. I hope that things are finalized within the next few days and get those I's dotted and, and T's crossed. And we have something to talk about um, taking place late November. Actual games. Yeah, Chris, you talked about it in, in one of your podcasts um, where – I'm not sure. I think you said that it, it, if, you, if you'd had to lean one way, it looked like it'd be more for the NCAA basketball in general, like you'd lean towards there being conference on, only over, over non-conference games. Do you still lean that way? Or what you've heard in the past few days, do you think like uh, these schools are going to at least make the effort to get to non-conference games? I know that Houston has a couple of more non-conference games scheduled than how confident are you that they can actually get those games off? Because it doesn't look like they'll do it in a in a true bubble setting, which was what ESPN was kind of planning to do, kind of provide that environment. Right. I think, honestly, more of the Power 5 programs, or in basketball case, Power 7 programs, will strive and push to have non-conference games. I'm not sure... I don't believe that the same can be said for the lower tier programs. Uh, I think you already had uh, Bethune Cookman from the HBCU in the MEAC say they're not going to have winter sports at all. And that includes basketball. I think you may see more programs like that, schools like that decide not to have any winter sports, you know, definitely. And it, uh, the main issue, the main problem is, is everything with COVID, COVID-19 and the testing. And who's going to pay for it? Some programs just don't have the funds to pay for all the tests necessary that the bigger programs require in order to have the matchup. So 
I think the big boys and women, big girls, will push for non-conference matchups. So in that case, if there's fewer smaller tier programs playing, then we might have really more top-level matchups, non-conference, uh, get done. Based on what you've seen with like uh, how the NCAA uh, football schedule has gone, do you does that give you optimism? Does that give you kind of a cause to worry? This, you know, I know depending on the schools, there's been a, a lot of postponements and cancellations, especially when it came to non-conference games. I know with the University of Houston, they had like five different games that were flat out canceled. Or I know the Memphis game was postponed. But with what you've seen with college football, do, do you see that's the way that uh, men's basketball and women's basketball is going to go? Or, or now that they have a kind of that blueprint, do you see it being a little different? I think we're going to have cancellations in college basketball as well. I really don't see any way that teams, any college team is a close to the maximum 25 to 27 games played this season by anybody. I don't see that happening. I'm hopeful. That's you know one of the reasons why they kind of lean toward conference only games because I just don't see some schools able to pull it off non-conference wise. I am hopeful. You know, we had more schools today postpone practices because of positive tests within their programs, um, you know, across the country. And that's in basketball and then some football games have been canceled or postponed for this coming weekend. So the issues impacting college football, I think some of those same issues will impact college basketball when we get into November and December. So that, that means that I do believe there will be some games canceled non-conference and and one of the things that you know some conferences are proposing is playing their conference games on at a single site so they play each other twice on thursday saturday friday sunday kind of thing that's great in theory but what happens if one of the tier one individuals players coaches staff test positive that means based on ncaa rules they got to quarantine 14 days that means those games won't be played so i don't see those games being postponed those games will be canceled so i think that scenario is going to play out a lot more than we really believe right now in late october uh what about i want to get into conference conference games a little bit uh i know the american athletic conference is looking to start about towards mid mid-december towards the latter end of the month to start those conference games I know they're going to do the 20-game conference schedule for at least this season. How long do you think they'd give themselves, like, extra weeks to just have space in case of if these games need to be canceled and postponed towards the later end? Or, or And how's it going to go? Is it going to be like it was last season where you'd have one game midweek and then one game towards the weekend? Or will it be like more like um, towards the weekend you play – two, three games, like one game on Thursday, Friday, and then the second game towards the, the second half of the weekend, like on Sunday. In theory, they're going to try to have it as it was, the schedule was last year. So that means games throughout the week. That's in theory. COVID may say something different because, but, you know, we're talking about the, the AAC, and the AAC does have more money than the, some of the lower tier, smaller conferences, so they can handle the travel expenses, the testing expenses. And plus, you got to keep in mind ESPN, ESPN Plus. 
will want games played throughout the week. So if health allows, I do believe you, you'll still have AAC games on Sunday afternoon, AAC games, men's games, of course, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. I think you'll have all that CBS uh, Sports Network as, as well. So that's what the initial plan is. And I do think the conference has set up one or two weekends for makeups if games have to be postponed, conference games have to be postponed. But like I said, you know, right now, that's theory. It's being planned, but we'll see how, if those plans have to change because of COVID. Do you see any scenario where they can't get on all those 20 conference games or do you think they're oh, going to try sure. their hardest? For sure. I mean, they're going to try to, to, you know, make, you know, get them done. But again, if U of H's, is scheduled to play, especially in December. I think the early conference games scheduled for December could be the biggest concern and worries that are postponed due to uh, positive tests within the programs because that's 14 days quarantine. That I mean, it's it's suggested, but I haven't really seen any program that so far has a positive test, a positive test, not announced they're going to sit out for 14 days. So if that happens. And, you know, for example, I'm not wishing ill will on any program, but if it happens to be UVA versus Tulane, December 12th, I think the weekend, the two dates for the men's side are around that time, 12th, 13th, something like that. If a Tulane player tests positive or UVA player tests positive or a coach, whatever, that means whichever program that involves a positive test, 14 days quarantine. Okay, that means those games have to be postponed till the end of the season, February, ideally. They're going to try to make it up, but if they can't make it up, then it's canceled. It's going to be a no contest. So I think the December games that are scheduled for the conference are the biggest concern right now as possibilities of being postponed. But, you know, the programs and the players and coaches, everybody's trying to do their part by wearing masks, washing hands with soap and water, doing all things necessary, but as we're seeing, there's still some folks not doing that. So as long as that's happening, the possibilities are kind of high that we're going to have positive tests with, within the AAC. Hopefully none of the student athletes or the coaches try to do what uh, Justin Turner from the LA Dodgers did uh, on Tuesday. Did, have you heard about that? Have you? Uh... I, I heard about it. You know, I'm not a baseball fan anymore. I don't watch it, but yeah, I've, I've seen it on social media. But I did see a, a, one photo of him wearing a mask during the celebration. So I don't know if that was towards the beginning because he had the, I think he had the trophy, the world series trophy in his hands, but I seen the other team photo when they're all on the sitting down on the, on the field where he was not wearing a mask. So I'm not sure which came first, but uh, yeah. it, it's a bad look when he's not wearing a mask. And if he tested positive. Absolutely. And he was in that team photo, he was standing right next to their head coach. Mm -hmm. So who was, who was, um, has fought cancer. cancer. Yeah, exactly. Chris Gardner, the Houston Round Bar Review, joining us on Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Clutch City Control Room. Coming up next in the second segment, we'll talk about the American Athletic Conference releasing their preseason prediction and awards uh, for both women's and men's basketball. And we are back here at Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Clutch City Control Room. And we'll get right into it. Uh, the American Athletic Conference preseason predictions and awards came out today on Wednesday morning. Uh, we'll start from the men's basketball sides. 
the University of Houston is predicted to finish in first place in the American Athletic Conference for the second straight year. I know last season they, they were co-favorites with, with the University of Memphis this year. They're flat-out favorites. They finished with 99 first-place um, – or nine first-place votes and 99 points in total, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, uh, you know, Caleb Mills, who's coming into a sophomore – uh, sophomore year um, is predicted to be the AAC player of the year. Um, really, before we get into any of the first or second teams, Chris, uh, what is your reactions to that? Do you obviously you think that U of H is a clear-cut favorite, but Caleb Mills as the player of the year? Um, do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts? It's it's a preseason poll, so I don't have a, a major problem with it. I'm surprised in th- this sense only. Because my personal opinion on player of the years, I want them to be all around talents, all around players. Caleb Mills, last his freshman year, registered freshman year, he's a scorer. You know, that's what he is. He averaged 13 points a game last season. But Andy, he shot 38.5% from the floor. He had more turnovers than assists. I, I, I want more from him. I want him to shoot better, shoot a higher percentage from two and three, shoot a better percentage from the foul line. I want him to have more assists than turnovers. I want him to have more than two and a half rebounds a game. So I want him to have more steals per game. If possible, he's averaged one steal instead of a half a steal a game. I want him to be an all around player. So in, in that sense, in terms of all around talent, I think Quinn Grimes, one of, you know, basing it on part of what Coach Sampson has told us recently and during the summer, I think Quinn Grimes is the Cougs' best player. He's the best all-around player. He's got to produce, obviously. Caleb Mills is the team's best scorer. So in terms of preseason predictions, player of the year, Caleb Mills, okay, the coaches voted on him and chose him to do that. I think some of the coaches picked Caleb based on how he lit him up individually in the um, team matchups last season, and that's fine. You know, it's a preseason honor. It looks good. It's a great honor for Caleb. It's good for promotion and publicity for U of H and the program. Yeah, we got a, a preseason player of the year in our program. That's great. It's good for the fans and alums. Hooray. I would be much better if Caleb was the end of the season player of the year and did more than just score 13 points a game and shoot less than 39% from the floor. Well, Chris, you kind of touched on it there. Um, the, the praise for Caleb Mills is really high from the, the American Athletic Conference coaches. He's uh, the only Cougar that's on either of the All-American teams for the conference. Um, Mills joined uh, Cincinnati guard Keith Williams, SMU guard Kendrick Davis, Tulsa guard Brandon Rachel. I um, probably butchering the last name, an ECU forward, Jaden Gardner. Um, and this was a surprise here where um, in the second team, Cincinnati center Chris Vogt, Men- Memphis forward DJ Jeffries, Memphis guard Landers Nolly, USF forward Alexis Yetna, mm-hmm. uh, SMU guard, and, and the final is SMU guard Tyson Jolly. Um, what surprised me when I, saw, when I first saw this list is that Quentin Grimes is not on it. He's not in either team. And that was really surprising, especially with the way he finished last season. And just coming into to the conference, obviously, he had a lot of expectations once he first joined uh, 
not necessarily the Cougars when he first joined college basketball, but I think he did enough towards the end of the season. And obviously we never got to see what he would have done in any conference tournament in March Madness. But I think it's interesting that he didn't make it in either team. I, I agree. I was surprised at that, especially, and I don't know, and this isn't a knock on the other coaches, but I'm not sure if the other coaches heard or have read what Coach Sampson has said this summer about Quentin and how Quentin feels he's taken ownership of this year's team. He's more comfortable in his role and what he expects from himself as well as what Coach Sampson expects from him. I'm not sure they heard about all that. And that's okay. You know, like I said, I mean, this is a preseason thing. Landers Nolly has been one of the most hyped-up transfers in college basketball. Um, he's not a great shooter either. He's a scorer. I'm much more – I'm bigger on efficiency rather than just jacking up shots. But, um, you know, he once he got approved, the waiver approved to be eligible for Memphis, I guess that was enough for the coaches to put him, you know, put him on there at the second team. Uh, you know, that's fine. I mean, you, you look at it. Uh, Caleb Mills was the only UH player on, on either of the 10 spots. So SMU has two of them, two players. Memphis has two players. So that's kind of interesting to me. Cincinnati has two players. So that's six of the 10 spots right there, pre-programmed. So U of H is still picked number one in the preseason and by a pretty safe margin to be uh, picked first. Yet they only had one player picked on either of the uh, 10 spots, first or second team. Absolutely. And uh, we're, you, we were both in the, the media availability that Samson had back in July, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he, Kelvin Samson kind of praised Quentin Grimes and really what he touted and what he really kind of emphasized whenever he did that media availability was how um, confident he is that um, Quentin Grimes is going to have a big season just from the consistency that he's going to have for finally he's not going to change He's not going to be changing programs, so he has that familiarity. But just Quentin Grimes' confidence in general, where he sees him as a leader now. And I know he talked about it whenever he had the media availability two weeks ago, too, where he's kind of embraced that leadership role and he's talked to the younger freshmen on the team. And Quentin, is, he's one, one of the leaders on the team. Thus far, he's shown that in the practices and in the, you know, the, I guess, four and four sessions earlier in the summer. He's taken more of that leadership role on the on the club so if i am q if i am the coaching staff if i am his teammates motivation say man hey nobody picked you to be on teams first or second team just tell them that over and over and over over again in every conference game this season say man that coach didn't vote for you time to go get it show them why you you deserve to be on all conference over and over motivation motivation and, he, and hopefully he'll buy into that, produce. And then if he does all that, it's better for him. It's better for U of H. Real quickly, um, we'll talk on the women's side. And in the, in the preseason poll, obviously, the University of Houston women's basketball team is predicted to finish in seventh place uh, for, during the preseason predictions. They had no players on either all first or second team. And really... They finished almost 40 points behind first place USF, South Florida. 
So, um, Chris, really, I, I know we talked about it. Actually, it's funny. We talked about this in the, in the first time you joined us where you, this was about where you said they were about middle of the pack. Um, but I know when we talked to coach Huey during the availability he had, I'm not sure if it was two weeks ago or maybe one before that, but you know, he touted about freshman Layla Blair, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And really, um, yeah, just your thoughts on what the American conference thinks about the women's side of at U of H. My only surprise in the, in the prediction of U of H being seventh was they were, they were picked after Wichita state. I think the other teams, USF for sure is I think the clear favorite in the, in the conference. UCF has gotten nasty relevant the last two years on the women's side. Tulane is third. I'm not sure if I'd have them ahead of Cincinnati at three, four. Temple at five. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going with that, that top five. I think U of H is, is better than Wichita State. They got to prove it. Co- Coach Huey has told us he is seriously believes in Layla Blair and her potential, her scoring ability, her shooting abilities. Freshman, one of the top freshmen. I think she was nicely ranked in those rankings. So it was a great uh, signing for the program. 5'7 guard from Waller High School. And Coach Huey has told me, I think he mentioned it in his availability session with us, that Layla Blair has the potential to break Chandy Jones' scoring record at U of H. So that's high praise. So if she does live up to that high praise, she will be all-conference, first or second team. I think Maya Crump, especially for this season, has the talent and potential to be a second-team all-conference player. So talent is there. Obviously, the coaches don't think so because no U of H player on the women's side is, was picked all-conference. But one also, motivation. Coach, you and the staff need to show the players this the the first and second team. Have it put it up in the locker rooms. Have put it up in the offices. Have it put up in the Gavi Lewis Center. All over the place. None of y'all were picked all conference. We know y'all are better than this. Let's go out and, and show them that we are better than this. Motivation, game in, game out. It's up to them to get it done on the floor. So time will tell. You, ju- you just talked about Chandy Jones. Chris, did you cover uh, Chandy when she was at UH? I sure did. I sure did. Um, that was the second golden era of U of H women's basketball because that was an early one in the late 70s and 80s. But, yes, Chandy Jones and Sancho Little and Nicole Oliver and and Brittany Mason, yes, that those – Chanty Jones' year, she was a tremendous scorer. And that was one of, that was back when U of H was in the Conference USA. And that was back when, in women's basketball, Conference USA sent four teams to the tournament. And the conference included TCU, Cincinnati, and Louisville, and DePaul. And that conference for women's basketball was one of the top conferences in the country. So a lot has changed since then. Obviously, the program has fallen down a, a great deal since then. Coach Huey and the staff now are trying to build it back up to that, that level. Chanty Jones was a great scorer, great athlete. She was All-American. And, I mean, 
a national All-American. Not this conference, first, second team. She was a national All-American. Santo Little went on to the WNBA. Santo was also one of, I'm not sure what the number is now, but at the time, the fourth or fifth woman to dunk in a college basketball game. So that team was talented offensively and defensively. So for Coach Huey to compare or the potential Layla Blair to Chandy Jones, that is, that's big-time talk, big-time praise. Did, did, just going back to whenever you did cover her, do you, is there any memory that kind of stood out to you? Like whenever she got on the court, how was she on the court? Was she dynamic or oh, yes. like, could you tell like the moment you stood like to watch oh, the, the Oh court? yeah. And, and let me say, I did not cover Chandy, cover U of H basketball, Chandy's freshman year, but they had a good freshman season. I began covering the team her, her sophomore year and the first game I covered of U of H women's basketball was the game she tore ACL. So I felt, I felt like a jinx. I was like, wow, the team is, is having a solid season, all these great things. Andy's putting up numbers. And the first game I, I attend, sit at the media press row, she tears her ACL. And, and I'm going to say this real quick. Her dad, David Jones, was one of the coaches on the staff. When she got hurt, I could see him stand up. You know, Coach Jones was always a sharp dresser. He tossed a clipboard to the floor and went to go see about his child. And, I mean, you could hear it was, a, it was so quiet at Hall Finals Pavilion. But to her credit and to her freakish genetics, she recovered from the torn ACL and played in Demis' beat to start her junior year. So I think she tore ACL maybe January or February. She was back on the court in time for November that season and didn't miss a beat. And that's when the team went to the NCAA tournament two years in a row and Santo Little came back. Uh, well, let me get that right. Yeah, junior year, senior year, something like that. I think that was right. But yeah, Tandy Jones was a great scorer. She could play the point guard, two guard. I saw her win a game at the buzzer, just pulled up, got the ball, was seconds you know, inbound the ball. Seconds later, took her time, dribbled across. Everybody knew she was going to take this final shot, Andy. Everybody. Everybody. Dribble, dribble. Shook her defender. Pull up jumper. Bucket. Game over. Let's celebrate. Let's go back to the locker room. Just that kind of talent. Tremendous talent. So, and Houston and TCU had some serious battles back in the day between Chandy, Sansa Little, and TCU, Sandor Irvin. Tremendous battles. Great basketball back in the day. Looking forward to hopefully the women getting back to that level. And I think that's a good point to stop this podcast, Chris. Uh, where can uh, people find you, uh, your podcast on Twitter, social media, your time to plug, man? My website is Houston Round Ball Review. I'm on Twitter at T H E V or the, depending on where you are, where you're from, V H R Review. YouTube channel is also Houston Round Ball Review. Instagram, also Houston Round Ball Review. So website, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Follow me on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram, all those things. Slowly but surely, I'm trying to adjust to technology and be like these youngsters like Andy is. So a podcast are available now on Spotify. I do a solo podcast where I just uh, share my thoughts and knowledge about basketball, college and pro, men's and women's. Those podcasts are Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, you know, podcast platforms. So you can check that out as well. And eventually I'm going to get back to my interview podcast also. So two different podcasts that I 
produce and put out there for on the podcast platforms for fans to listen to and uh, enjoy. You know, Chris, I actually, uh, I'm kind of trying to start a kind of like my own interview podcast, but really uh, right now I've just been busy with uh, covering and classes and stuff, but I know the first one, it was really because I launched for a class. I had to interview a journalist and I actually reached out to uh, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. And I saw that. To be, to be honest, I was surprised he uh, got back to me as quickly as he did and he was so nice and I was able to interview him. And yeah, when I saw that, uh, I just thought about like, oh, I wonder if I might as well upload it and make it a podcast. So we, we talked for almost an hour and uh, it really would have been longer, but he had, he had, he's busy. He had to do another uh, Zoom meeting as, like after he talked to me. But um, yeah, I'm trying to start my own uh, Andy Honest's interviews. Do and, that, uh, For sure. I'm going to try right now because right now it's a little low. I just finished uh, midterms for like a whole bunch of classes and um, – than with football and all that but for sure and once again uh chris gardner thank you for for on short notice hopping on the zoom link and doing this pod i really appreciate it and well, my uh, pleasure man anytime and uh we'll we'll stay in communication and hope like we said hopefully the the schedule for both women's and men's basketball gets finalized pretty soon less than a month until the start date for the ncaa men's and women's basketball seasons um that's going to do it for pod slime Jamma. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoy our consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voice, and camaraderie of our team, please consider to click the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon options. As always, thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slamajama, covering your University of Houston Cougars.